You are listening to Church at the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchattheoaks.com. Y'all, it is one of the biggest privileges of my life getting to come in here and, and do this with you every week and see what God's doing in your life. And um, man, I was just sitting over there singing that song about Christ being magnified in, in my life and in and among us. And it's, it's a, that's true. I mean, you're getting to see that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords lifted high in our city and across our campus getting to see fruit from that, getting to see life change coming out of that, and it is uh, just such a joy. Um, when I sang that line about uh, being put in the fire, um, that's a bit of our story. Uh, we started, we started uh, Oaks when uh, Jessica and I moved here in January of 2020, and uh, um, y'all know how that went. Uh, not great. Uh, yeah, a couple months later, we're like, man, Lord, you, you told us we're come, come plant a church, you know, and, and we're here, and then the world shut down, I'm locked in my house, and whatever, and uh, I don't know. Um, and then as, as, as time has gone by, getting to see a gospel-driven uh, church birth in our, our city, in a place that um, other folks told me, like, man, Tuscaloosa is too dark. People don't plant churches in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa is nuts. I'm like, I know, right? This is going to be nuts, you know? Uh, and seeing, uh, seeing, you know, just being on the quad yesterday. And so some of you are on the quad with us yesterday. And um, you're doing the work of the kingdom. And you're engaging people and inviting people into community and building relationships and getting phone numbers, not to glorify yourself, but to, to do the, the work of the ministry. Like, it's an incredible thing to see. Um, and so I, I didn't have any of that in my notes. It had nothing to do with the sermon at all. I just want you to know that. Um, so, uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm just so grateful to get to be a part of what we're doing. I do recognize that uh, this, this morning, maybe some of you were here last week, and uh, we, we talked about doubt. Uh, we talked about John the Baptist uh, sending some messengers from prison to Jesus uh, with, with, a, with a question that is, is very laced with doubt. And we talked about um, that, that every one of us, every, every believer in the room, if you're not a believer in the room, every single one of us has hard questions. Uh, those flash doubts sometimes that jump up in our mind. We talked about what to do with that. If you missed that, you can go check that out on the podcast. But some of you might have, might have been here last week, and you may have thought to yourself, like, I don't, I don't just have doubt. Um, I am, like, built out of it, all right? I'm, I'm, past, I'm past doubt. Like, I'm over into rejection. I'm over into, like, hardness. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even like being in the room. That's a different thing. There are points when all of us, I know I have, I, there's points when, when I've kind of moved past doubt into something else, past having hard questions over into a different uh, thing. The last passage we looked at, when Jesus, he told John, like, blessed is the one who's not offended by me, the one who doesn't give up on me, the one who doesn't reject me, who doesn't, like, press away. Like, that's, what he's like, that's what he's talking about. We've all been in that, that spot. Maybe it was before you became a believer. Maybe it was before you really started growing in Christ. Maybe it was, like, right now, sitting in this room. I don't know if I want anything to do with this anymore. 
Have you had seasons like that? I know you have. Do you have friends and family members who are like in seasons like that? That when I ask that question, their names and their faces pop into your mind, there's a heaviness on your heart for them? Yeah, there are. I think it looks different for different people, but for me, the way this looked was like, um, I call mine kind of like a, like a passive rejection. I became a Christian um, kind of earlier in, in life, but then I, nobody discipled me. Like, no, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do with that, and it was kind of like a decision I'd made, and then I was kind of left onto my own, and so I wasn't growing. I didn't know what to do, and so I, I, I really hadn't progressed at all. I didn't know the word any better than I did when I was a kid, and like, I didn't have community. I was just kind of floating around doing whatever I wanted and as time went by um, everything in the world like every, like, like the, the things that I, I was seeing and being a part of being introduced to looked very very exciting and then like obeying Jesus for some reason without any motivation did not seem real exciting uh, most of the time and so like I started just drifting away from this very weak faith that I had early in life and towards a whole lot of other things as I pressed into those things and started walking down some paths, it felt like the darkness was kind of circling around me. I didn't necessarily know what to do with that. I didn't even know what was going on. But that was, that was me, like, intentionally choosing sin, intentionally choosing a lifestyle that didn't the Lord. A lot of that was out of ignorance for me. Some of you walked like that. Some of you are walking in here like that right now. So a lot of it was just kind of saying, listen, I don't know what else to do. It's what everybody else is doing. I'm walking that way, too. I was intentionally choosing to walk, a, walk through a path, walk a life that wasn't built on my faith. It didn't honor and glorify the Lord. Um, wasn't, for, wasn't for the purpose of glorifying Christ. It was just glorifying and trying to fulfill me. Others of you, you, you had a story of more active rejection. You, you some, at some point, something happened and it moved you, um, not in like a passive kind of distant situation, but you started like actively starting, uh, started like hardening your heart towards the Lord. Maybe you went through something, maybe somebody around you went through something, you couldn't explain it, and there was just some questions that came up, but those questions weren't answered, and pretty soon you decided there weren't any answers to those questions, and you started to push, push the Lord away and say, listen, if that's what you're like, I don't think I want to have anything to do with this. For some of you, it was a church, saying there's some people that did some things, and the way they behaved did not seem at all like Jesus, and if this is what your followers were like, I'm not sure I want anything to do with you. That's a lot of you. I talk to people sometimes who... There's something in them like they, they, you can feel like they don't want to believe that God's actually there, but they do, and all they're left with is anger with him. Like, I'm pretty sure you're there, and I'm mad about it, all right? Like, that's, that's fair. Given some of the interpretation of some of the things that you've walked through, it's left you with a lot of anger and frustration. Others, I mean, you've moved past even that. And some of you in the room this morning, some of your friends, some of your family members have moved past that, like just the, that distance, that anger to like a complete uh, hardness toward the idea of faith. This is, this is, this is nonsense. This is, this is unsustainable. Like, there's zero reason that anybody should actively engage with this. Like, your, your, your heart is hard. What Luke is going to show us next in this uh, passage is that there is a massive difference between doubt and rejection. There's just this huge difference, this massive void of difference between doubt and rejection, where doubt is, is questions, questions that you could engage with, right? And then that's why we talked about praying that you do. The rejection is moving past that into something else entirely. John had questions. John the Baptist, in the previous passage, John the Baptist has questions. He's like, are you actually the son of God? Because I know we talked about this a lot, and I baptized you and whatever, but like, I don't know, man. Like, are you seriously, are you for real? I just need some encouragement here, right? John had questions. 
But he actually sought answers to those questions. But there were some in the crowd that day standing around watching who uh, had a different posture towards Jesus. They didn't have doubt. They had settled into a posture of rejection, saying, listen, this can't be true. This can't be true. I don't believe it, won't believe it. I don't care what happens. I don't care how many people you heal. I'm out. This is nonsense. I'm not buying it. There's some people in the room this morning that just, that's close to where you are. It's not like I have some questions that I'm entertaining. Some of you are in a posture of rejection. So John sends these messengers to Jesus, asks this question, laced with doubt. Jesus sends the messengers back to Jesus with a message for him, reminding him of what, he, what they've seen, what they've, what they've been a part of. And then these, these two messengers, they get out of sight, and I imagine Jesus taking a little bit of pause because the crowd's still kind of around. And he's, his mind shifts away from John back to this crowd, and he, he turns around and he starts to talk to the people that were gathered around. He talks to them about John. He talks about this guy who, John the Baptist, he'd been out in the wilderness, he's eating, you know, eating locusts and honey and stuff, and like wearing animal skin. Like, dude looked crazy, all right? He was a little nuts. I mean, if you saw a guy wearing animal skins running around on the quad, like, you run, right? That's what we should all do, you know? You just run. Well, this guy's out there in the wilderness. He's preaching this message of repentance, calling people to make straight paths for the Lord. It's like the, 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 the Messiah's coming. Like, you got to get ready. And so he was baptizing people in this baptism of repentance, saying, like, you got to turn away from your sin and get ready for the coming of the kingdom of God. Just a key phrase. John intentionally threw off all comfort. And then started calling out the most uh, elite of elites. The religious leaders, he's calling them out. He said some really harsh, hilarious stuff to them. Then he started calling out even like the Roman rulers. Started, like, he called out the king. He called out King Herod, like publicly. That's what landed him in prison. This guy was crazy, like in the best kind of way. You got, you got one of those friends, you got some people that are crazy in the best kind of way. There's those other people, they're just crazy. And then there's like those that you're like, you may actually change the world kind of crazy. You know those people? There's like one, you know that one. You probably all think of the same one. I don't know, right? There's not very many of them, right? John was that guy. John was crazy in the best kind of way. Fixed on the Lord. Thousands of people had gone out to the desert to hear John preach. Scores of people had been baptized in this baptism of repentance that John was talking about. Not faith in Jesus because that wasn't a thing yet, all right? But like most, if not all the people in this crowd, they knew who John was. Or they'd been out there to go see him. And so Jesus turns around and he starts talking to the crowd about the John the Baptist they know. Now remember, John, they, they had just heard John doubt. They just heard that John had sent messengers with hard questions about the validity of Jesus, right? So Jesus turns to the crowd. This is what he says, verse 24 of Luke chapter 7. He says, When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. This is what he said. He said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? Jesus got a little bit of heat in his voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't like sweet, mild, holding a lamb Jesus. This is Jesus a little bit, little bit mad, all right? What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? You go see this, like, flimsy dude out there that just, like, bends to everything? No, no, that's not John. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Like, dude, just, like, killing animals and, like, putting on his back, all right? Like, you didn't know. He said, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and, love, and live in luxury, they're over in king's courts. He's like, you didn't go see someone soft. You didn't go see someone that like, lives in luxury. You weren't seeing a spectacle. You went out there to go see something true. Verse 26, he says, what did you go out to see then? A prophet? That's what they knew. 
They knew there was a weight to John, like the things that he said, the things that he was calling people in and out of, like this was a prophet of God. They hadn't had a prophet in 400 years, and something was different. He said, prophet, yes, but I tell you, he's more than a prophet. Verse 27, this is, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. This is an Old Testament prophecy saying that one was going to come that was going to prepare the way of the Messiah. And what Jesus is telling this crowd is like, that guy that you went out there to see, all crazy John, like this, he's not just crazy John. He was the prophet that was prophesied about. He didn't just come like, tell, like bringing the word of the Lord, like the word of the Lord is about this guy. Like he's the one fulfilling this, like preparing the way for the kingdom of God, preparing the Son of God. And then Jesus says, Something really strange. It's one of those phrases that um, when you, if you're not careful when you're reading through your Bible, uh, it, it doesn't click immediately. So if you're not careful, you just kind of keep skimming past. Like, whoop, I don't know what that means. And you just keep moving. We're not going to do that. All right. So this is what Jesus says. Strange, strange phrase right after this. Verse 28. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. But the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That makes you pause a little bit, all right? Like, John's pretty important. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, the one who's least in the kingdom of God is like more important, is greater than, than John. I was like, it's not immediately clear what that means, all right? So listen, John had been preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. He was a prophet of prophets. But Jesus is telling those people standing there that anyone who's been born again, anyone who places their faith in Jesus has actually entered the kingdom of God is greater than those who are saying the kingdom of God was coming. He's saying that any of the prophets of the Old Testament, anybody who is saying the coming of the kingdom, like it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, saying anybody who actually gets in it, like who actually receives Jesus and gets to be in the kingdom of God, has a greater standing than those who said it was coming. Does that make sense? It's not specifically about John the Baptist. It's, it's any prophet, even the prophet of prophets, saying, it, like if you actually make it into the kingdom of God, to be restored into a relationship with your heavenly Father, completely like made holy by the blood of Jesus. Like if you make it into the kingdom of God by trusting in Jesus, that you have a greater standing with God than even the prophets of the Old Testament. There's, a, there's something humbling to that. Because for those of us on this side of the cross, when sometimes um, if you've grown up around Christianity, if you've grown up around the church, um, the cross seems light to you. The kingdom seems um, like a given almost. And we forget that there were thousands of years of people like, like looking forward to the day when like there wasn't have to be this whole sacrificial system. There wouldn't have to be this distance between us and them and the Lord. Like they could actually know him and be with him. Like he, the Messiah was going to come. It was going to change everything. He was going to restore people back to the heavenly father. And he's saying, man, if you knew what was coming, you'd recognize that it was even greater than any of these other prophets, any of these people that the old Testament was written about and like that shaped the, 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 the whole coming of the kingdom. There's something greater there. The kingdom of God is a phrase that comes up a lot in the Word. It's, uh, Jesus used it to kind of like describe what he was bringing, what, he was, what it was coming. And it wasn't a kingdom that was going to be like built on like, you know, like a normal kingdom, like a kingdom of our earth. It was, it, was, it was a kingdom ushered in by Jesus that wasn't of this world. It was going to be a kingdom where the entry point was singularly through the person of Jesus. That by trusting in his death and burial and resurrection, trusting in like his sacrifice for us, like that we could be made clean. That if we trusted that Jesus had actually died on the cross for our sin, that Jesus would take our sin on himself. Now that, that death he died on that cross 
would take away your sin, forgive you, which leaves you, interestingly, leaves you holy before a holy God. If Jesus has taken away your sin, you're just left with you, right? And so like, you're left with what's good and pure and holy. So you get to have a relationship with God now because Jesus has taken all of the terrible away, right? Removed the darkness, removed the sin, and made it possible for you to be restored back to the Father. Jesus is making a big statement here that for those of us who have come to a point of trusting in, in, in Jesus as our Savior, that we stand closer to God than even the prophet of prophets. I don't always feel like that. Do you? Do you feel like you stand closer to God than the prophet of prophets? I mean, if you're a Christian in the room, like, like technically, that's true. But practically, how was your time with Jesus last week? You know what I'm saying? I remember one of y'all, I mean, I ran into one of those, my, you know, I got, there's a bunch of college students, and I go hang out in Monarch Coffee all the time. I feel like I, I, I go into, I, if any of you haven't been to Monarch Coffee, the rest of us are already there. You should just come hang out at Monarch with us, okay? I go to Monarch, and I'll be like, you know, 40 people in the building, 38 of them go to Oaks, and uh, I mean, like, people are reading the Bible together and stuff, and it's like just our other church office. I love it. It's great. Um, it's I prayed for that. I was actually legit. And so I was in there the other day, and I, I, when I see one of our students, and they look all stressed out and tired and beat up, and I mean, like, they're not doing good. Like, it's just on their face, you know? Like, you just see those people sometimes, and they just, wow, you need, I need to come give you a hug, right? And so I came over, gave him a hug. I'm like, hey, how's your time with the Lord? You okay? Like, you spending time with him? You resting in him? And I'm like, I'm so swamped. I've got so much going on. I haven't, I mean, I'm trying to listen to worship music in my car. I'm like, oh, I want something so much better than you, for you than that, right? Like, I want something so much better than, like, stress and strain and turmoil. Like, we're supposed to be those who are, like, welcomed into the kingdom for eternity, but also now. Like, we, we dwell in the kingdom of God, and all that strain and all that stress and all that pressure and striving gets to be removed from us because we've had entrance into the kingdom. Sometimes life presses in a little bit, though, doesn't it? Has life been pressing in around you a little bit? Me too. So Jesus is looking at this crowd and saying, listen, the day is coming when um, the kingdom of God's going to be here, and those of you who find it, those of you who make your way into it, are going to be set free from all that crazy you're made holy before God. There's going to be such a goodness to that, that, that like you're going to have a closeness with the Father that, that surpasses any of the prophets that came before. That is good news. Some of you aren't walking in it, but I want to remind you that it's there. Some of you believers, are, you're, not, you're not walking in that goodness right now, but I just want to remind you that it's there, and that's where the light is. I know you've been wandering around in darkness. I know you've been chasing a bunch of other stuff and striving so hard. Jesus died to set you free from all of that. And invite you into something so much better. There's others of you in the room who haven't received entry into that kingdom yet. You haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior. You're still trying to figure it out. Some of you are pretty far from figuring it out. You've got a lot of questions, a lot of distance, a lot of hardness of heart. And I want you to know, I just want you to hear that there's something so good that Christ died to make possible for you. That that state that you're in right now, that does not have to be the way that it is. It's not the way he wanted it to be. It's not the way he created you to be. That's why it's rough. He died to make it possible for you to come back. There's two basic groups of people standing in the crowd. 
There's the lowly people, you know, like the, the, the sorry people, you know, like those, you know, those people, right? And there's the important people. And they receive this, this idea completely differently, which is interesting. Verse 29, it says this, says, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, the tax collectors, they're the lowliest, still low. they're like the sorriest of the sorry people, right? When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But they're already gone out to John. They're trying to draw near. They're trying to figure it out. Some of you are this morning. You're trying to figure it out, right? Like, they're, they're excited. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, the smart people, the intellects, the religious leaders, they rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. They knew John was out there. They knew John was a prophet, and they didn't go out there. They were on, they were on like, to base themselves by going out there, humbling themselves to go listen to this crazy dude in a, in a wool skin. Like, they, they're not doing that. They're better than that. They got stuff to do. They're important. They're not going to travel. He can come see me. And they're like, they're like elitism or something, like distance themselves from the purpose of the Lord. And like what it says is not that like they just, it just happens. It says they rejected the purpose of God for themselves. Can you think of a more heartbreaking phrase than that? I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you think about the purpose of God for you, like maybe you think like there's a, like a, what my future is going to be or something or what he wants me to do with my life, who am I going to marry? Like that's not what he's talking about. Like the purpose of God for your life, like your existence. Is it for toiling and striving after the wind? Is it, is it for working for, you know, to get a big enough bank account so that you can survive retirement? Like, is that, is, that the, is that the goal that he has for you? Is that like the purpose that, that of God for you? No, it's not. It's to enjoy him and make him known. To walk in the freedom that Christ made, made available, like freely made available as a gift to you. To get to walk in, the, to glorify Christ and make him known. To be a part of a different kingdom where all of that insanity isn't a part of it anymore. To be set free from that and get to be a part of a kingdom that's so much better and lasts for eternity. They rejected that. Some of you in the room, you come in like tax collectors and the others. You come before the Lord humble. You come before the Lord weak recognizing your need. Some of you came in this morning with very, very soft hearts, saying, like, I don't know if I can make it through the day without you. There are people there that day, right? They're there. And they're receiving that good news. They're hearing this. They're being reminded of the, of the kingdom of God coming. Like, they're, they're excited about it. You're, that's where you are, right? But there's some other people there that day. There's people here, here that today that just weren't willing to hear it. For whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily specify the exact thing, but some of them probably heard Jesus attacking their moral superiority. Like, I've got it together. I don't want to come before Jesus as a sinner. I'm a pretty good person. Like, I'm, I'm doing good things. I'm helping. I'm serving. I'm doing stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, all right? They didn't want to hear, like, they didn't want to have that moral superiority attacked. There were other people, you know, it was probably a, pretty afraid about Jesus tearing down their power structures. How that plays out for us is when Jesus tears, tears down our plans. And when Jesus, you know, like a, a lot of people, like we, we, we have a, a hesitancy to follow because we're like, I, I, don't, I really don't want you to mess with what I want to do going forward. I want to be with them. I don't care what you have to say about it. I want to live like this, and I don't, I don't care what your word has to say about it. I want, I don't, don't mess with my power structure. I am the power structure. I am in charge. This is what I want to do with my life. And if you start messing with it, I'm out. I'm happy to follow Jesus as long as you leave my plans alone. 
other people probably received what Jesus was saying as accusatory or offensive. So listen, I don't need this. I don't need to be torn down. I need to be lifted up. Their hard hearts were, for whatever reason, they couldn't receive the message that, that said that they were wrong. The religious elite, the lawyers, they couldn't receive the message that they were wrong, that they didn't have standing with the Lord. And so they rejected it. They didn't like the message, so they walked away. I sit across tables from a lot of people. That's like my favorite thing to do in ministry. Like uh, Some of you have gotten to have coffee with or have lunch with. or what well, I don't really do breakfast because... I don't want to wake up for that. But besides that, like, I mean, a lot of, you know, we spend a lot of time together. And I, I, I love getting to do that. I love getting to hear stories and, and hear how different people are walking and just kind of come alongside and just try to pray and just try to jump in and help. And I feel this hardness sometimes. Sometimes I'll get a meeting with somebody and, I, and, and it sits down. There's already like a bristle, like even like body language. I mean, arms are crossed, legs are crossed, it turns sideways. Like they're like, I don't even know if I want to hang out with you. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to try not to be offended by that. Cool. Um, but that's how it goes. And it starts like with this, this, this hardness sometimes. And I'll start asking about life and whatever. And we're fine talking about that. But as soon as I bring up something about, something about Jesus, something about like, tell me, tell me where you are spiritually. Tell me where you, how, you, how you're relating to God right now. Tell me what you think about that. There's a shutdown moment. And it's like, I, 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 there's, a, there's a shell around their heart. And I, that's so hard to see. Like on this side of the cross, seeing the goodness and the glory, like the, the power of what Jesus has done in me to break down the walls of my heart, getting to see the hearts and some of the, the hardness of some of you is, is honestly, it's, it's really hard. Because like there's, I know his will for you. I know his intent for you. I know the love and the compassion and the mercy that he has for you. I know that he hasn't given up on you. And sometimes I meet with other people that have given up on him. These Pharisees are standing there that day saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm out. I don't care what you have to say. I, I'm, just here to, I'm just here to watch the, the spectacle. Jesus goes on in verse 31, and he tells a parable trying to break down these, the walls in these people's hearts. In verse 31, he says, to what shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? He said, they're like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another saying, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. And he sang, we, we sang a dirge, that's a sad song. And, and, and he didn't weep. It's kind of a weird parable, all right? What Jesus is trying to say is you got a group of kids out here, and they don't want to play nothing. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have, like, you're trying to play a happy game, you're trying to play a sad game, you're trying to play any kind of game between. They're just mad and grumpy that day and don't want to do it. You ever been around people like that? Of course you have. Of course you are those people. When you leave, when you leave, when you leave this building, some of you are going to group up, and you're going to try to go to lunch together. And it, it might as well be declared World War III or something, like, it's nonsense. Like I, you stand out in the hall for 45 minutes sometimes trying to decide where you're going to go to lunch. That's why you don't leave. I know why you're still here that late. You want to go food sacklies? Nah, I'm tired of food sacklies. Fine, you want to go to a cookout? Cookout's gross. I'm not going to cookout. Are you kidding me? There's bird poop everywhere, you know? Never clean the patio off. It's ridiculous. All right, you want to go somewhere fancy? You want to go to Hokkaido? Nah, I'm not going to Hokkaido. The wait's too long. If you want to go to Pyro and make your own pizza? No, I, whatever, I always put banana peppers on there. It's always gross. I don't know why I do that. I can't go. Do you want to eat lunch at all? No, not really. Well, then what do we, like, that's, that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, like, what are we doing, man? Like, he said, then, he, then he explains it. He keeps going on. See, like, there's a condition of the heart that rejects everything. That's what he's saying. Like, there's a condition of the heart that rejects everything for no good reason. You're just out here just rejecting stuff. There's a, that gets into your soul sometimes. You ever felt like that? 
Then she comes to the Lord, like, you just, I'm just rejecting everything. Jesus says it like this. He says, listen, verse 33, listen, John the Baptist, he came eating no bread, drinking no wine, and you, told, you said he had a demon. And you're mad at John because he's, like, too conservative. And the Son of Man, Jesus, he came eating and drinking, and you're like, look at him. This guy's a glutton and a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners, right? It's like, what do you want? You're mad at John for being too conservative. You're mad at me for being the opposite. Like, what do you want? What is God going to have to do to break through the wall of your heart and say, listen, man, I just want to love you. I just want to restore you. I just want to set you free from all this nonsense. Like, what do you want? And the honest answer from these people is they don't want nothing. Doesn't matter what God did. There's a hardness of heart. There's a rejection that's settled into their soul, and they're done. Y'all, if that's you, that's terrifying. Right? Like, there's no entry point. There's no possibility for truth to penetrate your heart if you're just wholesale rejecting the whole thing and not analyzing the foundation of that belief, that belief is unbelievable. You're stuck. That's a terrifying place to be. For some, of, some people, some of us, hardness of heart, it starts with doubts that were never voiced, and you never sought answers. And it started to settle in. For some of you, it started when you prayed fervently for God to do something very specific, and, and you think he didn't come through. Some of you saw tragedy and pain, and you blamed God rather than ran to him. And you've never really gotten over it. Maybe that thought dwelled up in your heart and your soul at one point where you said, he's never come through for me. Why do I need to follow him? The way you're viewing all that history, all that hurt, all that pain, all those questions, the way that you're viewing that is placing all the blame on him rather than recognizing that he sent his son to leave heaven and dive into earth to come and die for you, to rescue out of that. And your heart grew hard. You moved from questions to hurt to rejection. And if that's you, I, just, I want you to recognize where you stand. I want you to recognize the precariousness of that position, that no truth, no light can break through that if this is a wholesale position of rejection. All I want to say to you this morning is that I, I, just, I just want you to analyze where you are. And I just want to invite you to, would you just consider would you just consider like just trying to let go of a little bit of that hardness, just allow a little bit of a crack in that soul of yours, just saying, all right, I'm going to try to at least be willing to listen. And then that's, I, I, I've, I've been there. I, I, know, I, I get how hard that is. Because that, that wall, like, it feels so secure. It feels so comfortable. And like the beliefs are settled and you got it down because everything is wrong. What if you're wrong? <laughs> would, you, would you just allow this, that, that sliver of, of a gap in your soul this morning, just allow the Lord to speak? Would you set down a little bit of that rejection and say, okay, as hard as it is, as terrifying as it is, as, even without anybody around me knowing, I'm, I'm willing to at least to try to listen. Some of you here... Uh, or like that, some of you have friends and family that you've been praying for for a long time, and you know the condition of their soul, you know the hardness of their heart. I'm praying, 
um, I'm praying the same thing for them as I'm praying for the people in the room. And I want to invite you to pray. If you have people like that in your life, I just want to invite you to pray and say, God, would you do what only you can do in the lives of my friends, the lives of my family, the lives of my coworkers? God, would you soften hearts in, only, in ways that only you can. Like, I, 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 God, I don't know how to do this. I'm, I don't want to go argue with them. I don't want to go like beat them over the head of the Bible or something. Like, that's not going to help. Like, God, you just got to move. Would you just, would you, would you soften hearts? Because y'all have seen him do it over and over and over again. We have a living and active God. He's still in the business of saving. Like, you look around Oaks and just see the story after story after story of, of hard hearts being like, my heart, my hard heart being softened, being rescued, restored, and brought to life again, given purpose and, like, hope in Jesus. Like, if he can do that with me, he can do that with you. For God to get through to me, to break through the hardness of my heart, um, it, took some, it took some pain. It took some struggle. It took me going through some things that I never imagined going through, my family going through some things that we never imagined going through, and having to come to a point of, of like, real brokenness, of saying, like, listen, I, I, don't, we, I don't know how to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with this unless, unless God does something and shows up. And he did. God used these moments of pain in my life, in my family's life, to, to start bringing me closer to him. It birthed new life out of pain. But it didn't stop there. Then God graciously started giving me some other people around me to, to support, like brought me into community. That's why we push community so hard around here because like being in a worship service is, is not enough, all right? I've been in a lot of worship services. I've preached a lot of sermons, okay? I don't remember most of what I say. I know you don't, okay? You're like, I'm pretty sure last week was about doubt because you said that a minute ago. I don't know what you were talking about. But it, I think it was good, though. It was pretty solid, you know? Like, you, like it doesn't get into your soul like that, you know? You got to be around some other people. And so what happened to me? God started using some of this pain to start softening my heart. And then, by God's grace, some, some, some friends started coming around me and started asking me to hang out with them. And they were like the, the nice people that didn't hang out with my kind of people. And I really wasn't really sure why they wanted to hang out. But I took them rolling. It was fun. Uh, introduced them to bad things. It was great. Like, we tried. All right. And so, um, but like, we started, they started spending time with me. Started asking me questions that I didn't have answers to. I started seeing a, a light in them that I didn't have in myself. Definitely didn't have the people I was hanging out with. And then, more so than that, two people decided to start like intentionally investing in me. Basically doing what we call huddle. And they asked me to start spending time with them on a weekly basis and say, hey, would, I, I know this isn't really your thing, man, but would you be willing to just show up and come over to my house once a week and and read through the book of Hebrews together and just try to figure out what it means and, you know, maybe we'll pray together a little bit. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess. Sounds weird. I don't know what the Hebrews is, but all right, let's go, you know? Showed up at a friend's house. We started opening the book, like open the Bible. We got to the book of Hebrews. We're reading through the book of Hebrews and this is like, he's helping me figure it out. Like, it's coming alive. I'm, I'm, I'm finding truth. I'm finding hope. Like, God's doing something in me as we're just sitting in this dude's playroom by his ping pong table, you know, like spending time together with the word and then an adult came alongside me and was like hey man uh if i buy you a if i buy you a burger every week will you show up i was like i will show up anywhere you want if you buy me food like that's i'm here for it like where you want me to be and when you know and so on like tuesday afternoons i'd start going to this place called ken's it closed ken's was awesome and we'd go get a burger once a week 
It's like Austin's Greg, except my guy didn't drive a motorcycle. I guess Austin's cooler than me. I don't know. He got a motorcycle guy, but my guy was a construction worker, and my, my, me and my construction worker buddy went over to Ken's once a week and ate a burger, and he asked me about life and asked me about Jesus. Hold me accountable some things. Really taught me how to be a man. And not just like a random man, like a man of God. Those two people started spending time with me, huddling me, and like it changed my life. They discipled me. We're trying to build a church where that's possible for you. Where you can come into a place like this and like you can see the spirit moving in people's lives and it can crack open that heart of yours a little bit. Where you can be invited into community with some other people so you can build some friendships and some relationships. You can have some low entry point conversations about the gospel and start figuring it out and just like watch some people who actually believe it. And then when you get to the point of believing it, we want to have people that can come alongside you and disciple you, help you find depth in the Lord. Not just know a little bit about it, but know him deeply, know it powerfully. That's all our church is built to do. That's it. Because disciples aren't made in crowds, they're made across tables. Jesus keeps going down. He closes out, the, uh, closes out the passage in verse 35, and he says this. He says, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. It's another, like Jesus is on a roll of hard phrases here. What he means is this. He's like, this is kind of the proof is in the pudding. He's like, the proof is in, in the people. If you're not a believer this morning, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to be able to look around the people that are, that are in this room. They are not doing this perfectly. They are not morally superior to you. They're not less sinful than you. They're so sinful, in fact, that they figured out that they needed a Savior, that they couldn't fix it. You still think you can fix it. They figured out they can't. And when you see the joy and the sincerity on their face when they talk about their Jesus, that's because he's changed their life, he's changed their eternity, and there is something good. There is wisdom found in the people. And if you walked in this place dragging darkness with you, if the condition of your world feels like it's closing in around you, when I'm talking about a heart of full rejection, that resonates with you. I just want you to have a moment to analyze the fruit of your life too and say, is this actually the life I want to live? Am I content in the darkness? I'm not saying I want you to wholesale accept all of it right now that's in the room right now. I just want to ask, I want to beg of you, just to make a, make a call in your own life saying, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to at least crack it open. I'm willing to listen. I'll try. Our band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a time of response. And I want you to get to respond, all right? And so here's some next steps. One, if you're a believer in the room and there's some people in your life that have that heart of rejection, I just want you to have some time to pray for them, like by name, all right? Some people are moving to next steps. That's where they're going. They're getting ready to be there uh, to, to pray with you, okay? And so if you want to talk through who you want, like, if, like hey, I've got a friend. Like, they, I think they've got a really hard heart. Would you just pray with me about my life? That's what they're for, okay? So go find somebody in next steps and just go pray. Or you can pray on your own. But I don't want to lift those people up by name, right? There's nothing more biblical we can do than that. So I just want us to be able to pray for people in our circles by name like that. Some of you in the room, you came in with a heart of, like a hard heart, a distant heart, a heart that's even like moving towards rejection or has outright rejected him. I want to have you just, to, I want to give you a moment to think and reflect. And if you feel led to pray, talk with them about that, saying, God, you got to do a work in me. If you're there at all, you got to do something here. And if you want to go pray with somebody next steps, they're there for you as well. They won't have all the answers, 
they'd love to pray for you. Love to help you begin that process. Also, I know some of you came in striving and struggling, and it feels like everything's pressing in around you. I know a, a lot of you already look beat up. You know, we got married people in the room, came in beat up. We got college students in the room, beat up. We got middle schoolers in the room, beat up. And sometimes you just need somebody to push, put their arm around you, remind you that the Lord loves you, just let them pray over you. There's something really good about that. So we've made that a part of our service, that you can just go be with somebody, let them love on you, let them encourage you. That's what Next Steps is for. But you've also got each other around you too. Some of you made during our time of response, you just want to huddle up, say, hey, I just want to pray for you. Pray with the person next to you. You know, it'll be kind of weird. You'll live. It'll be fine, okay? That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. So let's do that. If you need to pray for somebody around you, you need to pray for a friend, you pray. If you want to go lift them up with somebody else in the back, great. If you want to go talk to somebody back there about how, what, what hardness of heart feels like, they've been there too. I know those people. They'd love a lot with you to do that. Let me pray for you. Our band of ladies, okay? Father, it's a hard thing to come in here and be confronted with hardness of heart and rejection. But God, that day that Jesus was standing there after John's followers walked away, there was, there was people in the crowd there that had no room left in their heart for you. And Jesus turned towards them and addressed them. Not out of anger, not out of frustration with them, not dismissing them or crushing them, but you moved towards them because of your great love and your great mercy. And so my prayer is for my friends in the room who are struggling with a hard heart that you'd move towards them right now. That you'd crack open that soul of theirs and God, that you would, you would come in. A lot of us in the room, Lord, our, our hearts are broken for friends, family members, coworkers who have, had a, who have a hard heart towards you. So God, hear our prayer. Hear these names that we're lifting up to you. And God, move in miraculous ways in their lives as you have in ours. God, help us to be a church that does the work of the Great Commission, that makes disciples by loving people well, inviting them into community, and helping them come to know and follow you. God, I pray for our, our tribes and our huddles that are starting, and God, I pray that eternal, miraculous work happens in these groups. God, I pray for the people that are on the fence about joining those things. I pray that you give them boldness to jump in, even if they don't know anybody, whatever. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness, the calling to step into community, to explore you alongside somebody else. Don't let them do it by themselves. God, draw us out of our hardness. Draw us out of our distance. Restore us. Put us back on our feet. Invigorate us and move us for your name, for your glory. See your son's name pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with us?